in the party, Richter. Hello, and welcome to See What the Party, Richter. I'm Aaron Frescas, and I'm joined as always by my esteemed co-hosts, Chris Chapman and Joseph Bet Castro. And in this episode, we'll be finishing up Arnold's 1987 masterpiece, uh, The Running Man, with a bit of knowledge, or sorry, a bit of trivia followed up by our thoughts on the movie. Anyhow, and I also want to mention uh, this now because I know we forget to mention it later, but make sure to stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be released in just a couple of weeks when we'll be doing the, uh, we'll actually be doing the 1997 movie Batman and Robin, which should be pretty fun. But anyway, all right, let's get into the episode. You cold-blooded bastard. I'll tell you what I think of it. I live to see you eat that contract. But I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine! Ah! Gonna move on to the, the trivia? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, cool. So, uh, starting off the trivia. Uh, many, <laughs> so, apparently many people that worked with Richard Dawson on the um, Family Feud said that in real life Dawson was actually like Killian. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that explains in, why you fucking played it so well. In his handling of underlings, <laughs> which oh, wow, sucks, Jesus, but yeah, it doesn't. I don't know <laughs> exactly. Uh, Rich, Richard Dawson only agreed to be in the film provided he was not expected to use any profanity. <laughs> uh, like we mentioned before, Beard. Paula Abdul was the choreographer. It was her third movie that she that she did. Um, apparently that sled, sled tube thingy was real and Arnold talked about it in the second, the interview we watched with, uh, Bobby Lady, but I guess, uh, designer Gary Gutierrez created a 260 foot long half scale miniature tunnel and then shot at, they shot that at 60, uh, six frames, six frames per second rather than the standard 24 to get enough footage of the high speed ride throughout the tunnel. So, uh, Dynamo, whose real name is Erland Van Lint, was a classically trained Heldon baritone opera singer. So, in in his inter- introduction, that's actually him singing, which mm. is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. The uh, the lady that says that boy's one mean motherfucker <laughs> is supposed to be an homage to uh, homage. Sorry, homage <laughs> to. Some lady called Mrs. Miller, whose entire claim to fame was coming. <laughs> just coming. Stop right there. Just stop, just stop right there. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, just stop Good right there. <laughs> whose entire claim to sorry the the headphones uh, it's it's the it's the uh it's the headphones it's that not keep cutting out Memorex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh. It's not real life. It's Memorex. Wait, that's <laughs> like tape shit. I don't know. Entire. Who's in, <laughs> whose entire claim to fame was coming on almost see now it's just gonna sound like <laughs> coming on almost every day of the tapings <laughs> like <laughs> okay 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 I gotta reward this <laughs> this fucking lady's claim to fame was going to it like every day to tapings of like Merv Griffith every day she was going to tapings of different shows. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. So apparently the seventies were just a simpler time because she got famous from that. Yeah, she's just from being in the audience all the time. Yeah, which now oh. you call it a fanboy, but like yeah. <laughs> back then, apparently she recorded an album. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Like, what? Like there's an album that they play on. What is it? A uh, Doctor Demento? <laughs> really? That yeah, that that she recorded. Uh, uh, so anyway, um, oh. and, okay. Do you remember how? Uh, Steven D'Souza, like I said, it wasn't happy about the deep, deep fake part. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so uh, they they actually had an uh, interesting idea for how the movie was originally originally supposed to go, but here's Stephen Souza explaining it. The one thing that drives me crazy about this movie is as originally, when we were doing the picture, as someone, they, I think they say, uh, he, he says, we charge Mom and Lake for the software. He names a company. That's the real name of the company. We were doing the movie. A company came in, and they said, we have this new <laughs> thing called synth espions. You don't have to risk the necks of the stuntmen. We can, you know, so they showed us, you know, a, a, a sequence of a, of, a, of a stuntman that was digital. But this is 10 years, 10, 12 years before uh, Tobey Maguire. And, and even if you remember the Spider-Man and Doc Octopus, there's like a digital yeah. valley of the stunts. Um, so we said, now we're going to use the stuntman. But the one thing that was intriguing was when the stuntman wasn't moving, the face substitution was really good. So after they showed us this demonstration, I said, you know, it, it doesn't work with the stunt, but that face substitution, that works if the guy's not moving. Why don't we do what they did in The Sting? Because if you remember The Sting, at the end of the movie, um, they te- Robert Redford, uh, at the end of the movie, uh, it looks like Robert Redford has double-crossed Paul Newman, and they kill each other, right? Yeah. And the, audience, you, the real audience is shocked, and the people that they're, like, conning, like, run out because they don't want to be arrested. In the, right? And then they get up, and they realize they shot blanks. And I said, we can do that in this movie digitally. So as written and as shot, the scene where... Jesse Ventura kills them both, was presented to you as if it were real. And we had a test screening. We go out towards Palm Springs. You want to go out, uh, get out of town where there's presumably real people, but also so a rival studio executive doesn't stumble into your screening. And, <laughs> and you I chose did, Palm Springs. And, and I did not see, I never saw an audience react to, to a movie go that, that, that shit crazy in that sequence until later on in the test of Die Hard. Because when Jesse Ventura, like, killed Maria Cucina Alonso, broke her neck, complete silence. I mean, I had to, I had, I did the same thing in Die Hard 2, where they, we couldn't believe it, we would crash the airplane, and I remember typing that the little girl's teddy bear gets the seatbelt, you know, I go, the audience, you know, and the audience is stunned, we killed, we killed all those people, you know. The look on so, your face. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, 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 it, I'm cackling when I type it, so anyway, that was the reaction, and, and then... And, and then when he kills Maria, and then Arnold gets up and beats the living days out, uh, daylights out of Jesse Ventura, and there were old ladies, like the one in the movie, says, kill him, Arnold! It was like, it was like the hammer killing in, in, in Drive, right? And then at the last, and he beats the living hell out of Jesse Ventura, and then at the last minute, Jesse Ventura kills Arnold. And the audience was, remember, this is like 1987, this is not, not seven, this is 1987, you don't kill a leading lady, right? And we had like 700 people in the screening, and... Then after it goes, after it's over, uh, th- then you see uh, the scene where Mick Fleetwood, and, and I'll tell you the most accurate, the most accurate prediction in the movie is what Mick Fleetwood looks like now. I was, I had exactly, that exact note it was in here. Somebody, somebody tweeted that today. He looks exactly he like really that. He really does. Like that. So then he comes in and he says, look, he says, we just taped the last five minutes of the show, and then you, the audience, sees that they mind-fucked the fictional audience. Well, anyway, because it was a test screening, and, you know, test screenings put together at the last minute. In fact, as you may know, when you do a movie in the contract for the stars, you have the ADR, you have, they can come in for a few days to re-record lines. Okay, so basically, uh, he says that the, the test screening audience didn't get it, which would have worked way better if they would have went. Yeah. They were going to show uh, Fleetwood Mick capture them. After. Yeah, they were going to go straight to that, that scene. Which which would have would have worked better because it would have seemed like he was dead. Yeah, instead of them watching themselves die. Yeah, exactly. It would have looked like they died, and then you reveal they're still alive. Yeah, 
So basically, uh, Stephen D'Souza claims that the movie would have been a bigger hit if they would have left it the way that it was. Which would it really Maybe. like? It's I, like, like a uh, little bit of a twist to it, yeah. but I, I don't know. Apparently, Arnold was thirty. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Apparently, Arnold was thirty-nine years old when he made made this movie, which really doesn't have anything to do with anything. I'm just kind of pointing that as a reminder to myself to get in shape. God, Jesus, thirty-nine. Yeah. God. <laughs> Yeah, that's terrible <laughs> for us. Yes, yes, yes. for uh, all of us. Uh, when Arnold ran for governor, he rode around in a campaign bus. He named the Running Man. <laughs> Roger Ebert of the uh, Roger Ebert gave the film two and a half stars out of four, complaining that all the action scenes are the ver- are versions of the same scenario. But then praised Richard Dawson, saying that he was pretty much born to play that role. Yeah. Has a rotten uh, tomato score, sixty four percent. L.A. Times said that it was the best Schwarzenegger movie since Terminator. Uh, apparently, there's a Korean game show called The Running Man, which I kept trying like finding clips of when I was looking for this, but we're not going to look at that. <laughs> anyway, so the last thing before we move on, but apparently Arnold was not a fan of direct the director Paul Michael Glaser, which he makes pretty clear in the book. And I have a little excerpt I wanted to read. He sets it up in a way that makes him just not sound like an asshole. Or- for crapping all over him. But he says, uh, early in my movie career, the hardest thing was giving up control. In bodybuilding, everything had to be of me. Uh, when the producer approaches you with the project, you're relying on him to pick the right director. And when you go on the movie set, you're relying on the director totally. And a lot of, a lot of other people besides. Uh, I learned that when I had... Here, read it. <laughs> uh, I learned that when I had a good director, like a John Milius or a James Cameron... My movies went through the roof because I was directed well. But if I had a director who was confused or did not have a compelling vision for the movie, it would fizzle. It was the same Arnold either way, so the director was the one. <laughs> Which I, sure. I really love that he's like, well, it, it, like it could have been me, but it, like I, I brought the muscles. You need to bring the direction. Come on! <laughs> he's like, I act the same in every movie. It's exactly. your fault. <laughs> yeah, let, me, let me bring it up here. Is... Anyway, continuing. Yeah. So at this point, he goes. Uh, after realizing this, I couldn't take myself too seriously, even when I got heaped with praise. I didn't make the Terminator the success that it was. It was Jim Cameron's vision. He wrote the script. He directed it. He made the movie great. Which, like, at least feel like he recognizes that. Yeah, that so, J- that James Cameron was the reason why, which would have been great if he like didn't. And he's <laughs> yeah, like he's like now nah, it was all me. But it would have been even greater if like Jim Cameron was like. <laughs> The same way that he uh, Burton is with with uh, fucking Johnny Depp when he keeps using him, or like <laughs> to, to where he's like like the lead in Titanic, but he's like opposite Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> okay, he plays the aliens in the abyss. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> almost done. Okay, uh, so he also goes. Uh, let's see. So I did become part of the decision making in a lot of films with power to approve the script, approve the cast, and even to choose the director. But I still made it my rule that once you pick a director, you have to have total faith in him. If you question everything he does, then you will have nothing but struggles and fights. After you pick him, you've got to go with his judgment. You may have picked the wrong guy, but still you cannot fight throughout the movie. In 1987, just one week into filming The Running Man, director Andy Davis was fired. The producers and studio executives staged a coup on the set while I was away for a few days promoting the springtime bodybuilding championships in Columbus. I like how he can't mention like that he was just away on the set. Yeah. He's like, I was at bodybuilding, you know, like, that's what I do. 
Uh, let's see. By the time I came back, they'd replaced Andy with Paul Michael Glazer, who had gotten into directing TV shows after being an actor on TV. He'd never directed a movie, but he was available, and so he was hired. It was a terrible decision. Glazer was from the TV world, and he shot the movie like it was a television show. Maybe because it was about a television uh, show. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, losing all the deeper themes. Uh, the Running Man is a sci-fi action story based on a novel by Stephen King, built around a nightmare vision of America in 2017, 30 years from when we were shooting. Uh, the last and then he does say, in fairness... Glazer just didn't have time to research or think through what the movie had to say about where entertainment and government were heading and what it meant to get to the point where we actually kill people on screen. (laughs) In TV, they hire you and the next week you shoot and that's all he was able to do. As a result, The Running Man didn't turn out as well as it should have. With such a terrific concept, it should have been a $150 million movie. Instead, the film was totally screwed up by hiring a first-time director and not giving him time to prepare. <laughs> I, I like. I don't know. No. I I feel no. like that's like maybe kind of true, but not true at the same time. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the director's fault because no. they he got hired at the last second. But like, not to mention, would this movie have been any different besides like if no, they? No, that wasn't. It, it's not like he came in and changed the script. I'm sure he made some changes because every director makes changes on on set. Yeah, that that happens. But nobody in all the background stuff you talked about so far, nobody has talked about him coming in and like totally rewriting the script or anything. Yeah. And it, also that's as a TV guy, that's not what he would do anyway. He's not an yeah, auteur. True. He's the kind of guy who comes in, shoots, shoots what you tell yes. him to shoot and does what you need him to do. Gets it in under budget and on time. That's that's his job. Yeah. This to say it's going to be a hundred and fifty million dollar movie is kind of. What did they make? Crazy. I said they make twenty you said, or thirty eight million. Yeah, like thirty eight like million. Like one hundred and fifty million dollars is good for a movie now. <laughs> like, like not a block, but like, yeah, like yeah, not yeah. a huge blockbuster, but like a small action movie. Yeah, that's great for a movie now. Like, yeah. I don't know. And also, I think he's full of shit about not about how Glazer didn't understand the themes of the movie. I felt like this was a pretty solid satire of entertainment and yeah, where we're headed. Like, I felt like it was pretty good. Yeah, I I just I don't know, like which which is weird because this movie isn't like um, I'm trying to think of like a movie that's just shit on of his last action hero, I guess, which he doesn't even mention in the book, but like to where like he, I don't see why he's like shit on the director. I as yeah. a, don't know if he's whatever. shitting on the director as much as the studio's process. Like they set him up to fail, set up the director up to fail. Yeah, but the, yeah, but he. He does specifically say bad stuff about the director. Like, I think he then kind of tries to cover that up by saying, well, it wasn't really his fault. He didn't have time to prepare. But he does flat out say, like, this was the wrong guy to direct this movie. Yeah. Which maybe he's kind of right, but I don't think it's that I, yeah, I don't bad. Know. I, don't I mean, know. I, would it have been any different? Like, the only person I think would have got a different was fucking the owner of Oscar Soccer Shop. <laughs> <laughs> like... Because he was talking about like putting it in like a completely different scenario, but yeah. like otherwise it would have been the same fucking yeah. movie. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, okay. So last thing before moving on to the next thing is uh, lastly, Edgar Wright is in the process of making Stephen King's The Running Man, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming is going to be closer to his book. Yeah, just a guess. Anyway, speaking of Stephen King, like I said earlier, he wasn't a big fan of the movie. But before <laughs> I mention why, uh, Joe, you've read the book, right? Correct. Well, okay. listen to the audio book. All right. Well, uh, do you want to give us a little bit of the breakdown of the differences between the the 
book in the uh, film before I give. So like his reasons make a little more sense. Uh, yes. So um, fair warning. This is going to have some spoilers ahead. So. Uh, so if you want to read the book, then. Yeah. Pause it. <laughs> Skip ahead about two minutes. Um, <clears throat> so the book uh, was written by Richard Bachman, um, which is uh, Stephen King describes Bachman as a uh, state of mind as low rage, sexual frustration, crazy good humor and simmering despair. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a, a lot of like Bachman stuff is much darker than regular Stephen King stuff. But what I, else? Uh, well, what else did you write? Thinner. Um, well, there was this one about a teacher that got crazy and shoots up school called Rage, but they don't. Uh, they don't. They don't print that one anymore. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, could he have uh, released those as Stephen King and it would have been like yeah would it have been uh, like shit on as like oh Stephen King like tried and you know by critics and stuff like that with, with the books that he released as Bachman well I think critics just shit on Stephen King anyways so especially back then um, and you know he had an interview I mean recently in the past like 15 years I don't know exactly when it was but he's like yeah <laughs> When I first came out, all those critics were saying it's um, shitty, but all those guys are dead. So guess who won? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he only wrote a, a, a couple of books as Bachman, Thinner, Long Walk, which I haven't read. Uh, Thinner I'm actually reading now. And actually in Thinner, uh, I'm listening to the audiobook and it's read by Joe Montagna. So it's like hearing Fat Tony <laughs> nice. read you an audiobook. <laughs> Which is great ding, uh. um, but also he's like yeah i feel like i'm in a stephen king novel it's funny because anyhow uh so as far as the book goes it's much darker like uh it's very dystopian ben richards decides to join running man because his baby's sick and he can't get any money or anything uh so all the stuff is kind of volunteer you know he's really uh underweight and mal mal nourished and basically the game show <clears throat> the game show uh is in the world so you can go anywhere but also you have to um record something and send it in twice a day and uh the regular people in the streets get money if they spot the um the running man and call it in uh so there is definitely stalkers and everything but uh but yeah it's just much darker and bleak you know it's not like a satire and it's not fun at all um hmm. and uh yeah he does really good and killian does offer him a job but eventually he somehow uh kind of gets hold of a plane and um goes and crashes it into the uh the network's <laughs> building at the end and he's like i mean he's like fucking dying like his guts are hanging out and shit he's all like fucked up and everything um and they killed his family already so he like Jesus. has nothing really to live for but he just goes and like flies it right into the networks Steve building Suja, uh he mentions it in a thing that I, that I uh, probably won't end up playing because it's long but he mentions that he has like tuberculosis or something too I think so maybe yes yeah, so, so the like the character has tuberculosis tuber, tuberculosis too <laughs> yeah he's he's just not doing well and it's kind of uh, yeah a, a, a last a last ditch effort to get like money for his family and get his daughter some medicine because she's sick. That's why it goes on the show. Uh, Damn. Yeah. It's uh, definitely not 
like this movie at all. Um, <laughs> so uh, I can imagine what Stephen King said about it. So why don't you tell us about that, Aaron? Yeah, he <clears throat> he apparently wasn't a fan because of how little it retains or a uh, little it retains from the novel it's based on. Which he also said the character of Ben Richards is supposed to be like an everyman character. And Arnold <laughs> is the furthest away you can get from that. Yeah. And apparently Arnold wasn't the first choice for Ben for Ben Richards. Uh, so when the movie ha- still had a darker tone, it was supposed to be Christopher Reeve. Who is Damn. definitely has like a more everyman like look to him. Yeah. Especially before he got bulked up for Superman. Yeah. Was that bulked up? A little bit, yeah. Okay. He used to be smaller. <laughs> That's seventy bulk. I mean up. he he was still like broad shouldered and tall, but yeah. <laughs> Okay. But uh from what I could find, it seems like the reason Arnold replacing Superman was the mixture of the filming pushback for by almost a year, which I'm assuming like possibly made Christopher Reeve unavailable. Yeah. And then Arnold Arnold just being more bankable. Like, I can't imagine how much Arnold bragged about the fact that he's like, oh, well, they wanted me to replace Superman, you know? They didn't want such a girly man. <laughs> like, they, they got to replace Superman uh, for a movie. But uh, <laughs> according to AFI.com, between uh, Christopher Reeve and Arnold, Stephen and Souza ended up re- rewriting the script 15 times. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, you mentioned that about Edgar Wright remaking it more along the line of Stephen King's book, but I, that seems weird because edgar wright's movies are like exactly fun. and that Which book might is be... not fun at all yeah but it might be a mix i think maybe a mixture of the two yeah but i don't i think he's kind of trying to break out of that now because his oh, next movie he? yeah his next movie the trailer just came out for like a month or so ago it's called last night in soho and it's like a weird like psychedelic uh like supernatural thriller thing huh Ooh. yeah so uh, it's he's definitely I think trying to break out of that. Um, he definitely has a specific editing style that makes his funny his movies very like kinetic and stuff, which yeah. is mostly he's used for comedy. But I think he definitely is looking for a chance to do something different. Okay, all right, and uh, yeah, that that thing or the uh, clip that I played you was uh, Matt Gorley, who now produces the Conan podcast, like you mentioned, like a million podcasts. Yeah, or is it? Yeah, he, he yeah, uh, it's a ton. Yeah. Okay, it's like a and then okay. famous podcast guy. Yeah, like that. But, uh, but compared to us, he's a fucking amateur. <laughs> How about move on to the kill count? You must have wanted it. It's blood was on the leaves. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Which I already accidentally saw because my notes from last time last time <laughs> included it. But uh, uh-huh. you guys want to take a guess? Because I know it. Sure. I, Why don't you go first? I got to think about it for a second. I mean, I can go first, but I'll nail it. Um, <laughs> so uh, does this include everybody in the Bakersfield massacre? Because <laughs> that's going to bump the number of really Oh, high. yeah. Sorry. I, I always forget. Is it Arnold kills or entire movie kills? I don't know. Uh, for this for this one for this one i don't know because i just had a kill count kill count included when i when i was looking through my notes like from when we recorded this last time i had oh okay like kill count included so okay yeah okay is the number over 1500 no so you're good well (laughs) no i i do think he only they only actually killed like 60 some people in the bakersfield mass it's not over 60 so yeah it's not it's it doesn't include them i think it only includes the uh okay got it okay uh I'm going to go 52. All right. Now I'm trying to think, like, because I... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. If I'm going to guess, if this is whole movie, not just Arnold, 
I'm going to guess 39. Who else kills anybody besides Arnold? Oh, just uh, random people. I feel like guards and so. right, prisoners and shit. Wait, uh, the number is 41. Really? Yeah. Nice. It's a body count, 41. But if, if <laughs> the massacre like happens, then Joe's closer. But if you know it doesn't happen, then you're good. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the, the your favorite line of the movie. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ah, you didn't know I'm going to say that, did you? Uh, the best line in this movie is easily, uh, uplink, underground, uplink, underground. If you guys don't shut up, I'm going to uplink your ass and you'll be underground. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line so much because he probably had to like, okay, no, you're going to have to say uplink and underground a couple times so they remember what they're talking about. <laughs> and then so like... It'll make it'll just make the whole thing flow better if if that's those words are already in their mind. It's just so fucking. Uh, I, I love that line so much, Joe. Uh, for me, it's got to be um, here sub zero now plane zero because it's <laughs> dumb and it doesn't make any sense. It's so dumb, and I love that. <laughs> I love that it cuts to the audience afterwards and everybody's just like mm-hmm. deathly silent yeah. and, and, and mourning the loss of like he their just, favorite TV yeah, character. He just made a joke about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like what a good joke. <laughs> there's no if you're talking about sub like below, there's no plane. <laughs> Maybe he thought like sub zero is named after like a sub sandwich, you know? <laughs> and he's like, now it's just plain. It's like just a piece of bread or some shit. I don't know. Also, but. if you're going by literal definition, plane zero is probably better than sub zero. <laughs> that's that's just yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Just above, neutral. it's not less than zero. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I like when Amber is about to uh, when she's like when they're running through and she's like, "I wish we were in Hawaii." He's like, "I had to shoot for it, but you fucked it up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Is it that or like when he like they're like. The, she, they think you're my girlfriend. Well, I'll strangle, strangle you in front of the home audience. Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway. Okay, uh-huh. okay. And the last thing before we go, uh, let's pump some iron and throw this movie on the rank list. So let's start with Joe. How many irons would you pump for this movie? Let's, let's hear why. Well, uh, I was debating between four and five. So I, um, I didn't want to go sub or above. So I went plain <laughs> between those two. I went 4.5. <laughs> So with one rep, I'd only be able to like lift it up and not be able to All put it back down. <laughs> Just about finishing. How come? How come what? Why, why would you? Why? Why, why, why are you ranking it right there? Okay. Uh, okay. Good. Good question. Um, <laughs> because I love this movie. It's got great Arnoldness. You know, he's going around killing people, saying great one-liners. Uh, it's entertaining. It's fun. But there's just something. I mean, it's not as good as other five movies that I have in my head. Um, and even, and I spent a lot of time watching this today and like trying to think of if I gave commando a five, why isn't this a five? What makes commando better? And to answer that, or the answer to that is, I don't know, but I <laughs> just right. like commando better. Okay. Chris. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to stick it right there to 4.5 right in between only because the only reason this is not a five is because I have to leave room for a movie that might possibly be a five in the ones that I haven't watched yet or like, you know, uh, in the future. Uh, Because this movie is, on the Arnold scale specifically, this is pretty much exactly what I want out of an Arnold movie. Yeah. Uh, On a regular scale, this movie is still fun or whatever, but I wouldn't put it that high. 
but like on an Arnold's, this is exactly what I would go to the theater wanting out of an Arnold movie. The great one-liners, uh, watching him throw people around, <laughs> uh, basically being a superhero. Yeah. Um, the fucking crazy performances. The, the, the good performances by everybody else in the movie, too, though. Like, yeah. fucking Killian is amazing in this movie. Yeah. Jesse Ventura's good. Jim Brown's good. Fucking uh, everybody's doing their job and doing a good job of it. I think a lot of the dialogue is probably smarter than it needed to be for such a dumb movie. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I also think that the writing works better here because they're in like a heightened reality. And then in... Then in something like Commando, which okay. I just... I watched recently for the first time like all the way through yeah and i think in that movie the the writing style is very similar but it makes a little bit less sense because the world they've set up is just like regular 1980s <laughs> ridiculous like it, the like, situation is, just ends up spinning out of control yeah it just like doesn't make a ton of sense uh but here everything is heightened it's like a crazy reality yeah and so a lot of that you, you just get away with more because it's it's okay. the future I, uh, I honestly, which like I don't think you can bring this movie up without mentioning Commando, which we'll save for the the list or whatever. But I'm I give I I originally gave this movie a four, but I'm gonna bump it up to a four point five just because like I was trying to like save room for the between the four and the five because like my fives are the movies like okay we'll talk about that in a second. But just just from just from what Chris, Chris mentioned with uh fucking um Killian R- yeah. Richard uh, Richard Dawson yes. The, the other roles besides him are just amazing. Like, So, okay, basically, I've been so busy lately that I honestly was debating on just using my notes from the last time and not rewatching again. <laughs> but I'm glad I did because I remembered how much I enjoyed this movie every time I watch it. Yeah. Like, it's got a great mi- mixture of action, humor, and I know, I know it's not like an original story, but it's actually a, like a good story that I don't think feels too dated. Yeah, I like, think this was a pretty good, like a generally a pretty good satire of the, where entertainment was heading yeah stuff. like yeah. the fashion and the technology definitely dated yeah. but like besides like it but it just kind of like adds to the campiness of it to the, like the weird part is it took me a few minutes on to, like to decide how many irons i was going to pump because i was comparing it to the movies that i thought were going to be rated higher which with those ones i think they're completely different movies okay so not to get ahead but like as far as like episodes but i as of right now, it probably goes without saying that the original Terminators are probably going to be rated a, little, rated a little bit higher, and I uh, think that these are co- rated that high for completely different reasons, which I don't know if it's stupid, but I started to realize like that his A's action movies are probably a little closer to Kinder and co- like the comedies mm-hmm. than the uh, the later, the like his serious movies like Terminator or Eraser. True. And um, the action movies like have... They're like action movies, but like elements of comedy with them, which he stopped making these movies, which I'm not really like certain why, but it sucks that he stopped making these movies because he's good at making these kind of movies. Yeah. He's like really, fucking really good. good at making these type of movies. He's good at delivering these lines. Yes. Sometimes being very sincere and like putting a lot of like actual emotion into like putting a lot of actual rage in I'm going to break your goddamn spine. Yeah. But then also pretty good at when he has to wink at the audience and yes. be like now just plain zero like he's good at both of those things and you need both of those things for yeah yeah. but they don't they don't make these type of movies anymore it makes me well it makes me they do they just call them superhero movies with like the dry humor and the superhuman the guy you just want to go beat up everybody you know yeah Uh, yeah true i was gonna say like it makes me think back to his 
to when we what we uh, what we watched earlier when he was talking about how he doesn't want to do serious roles. Mm-hmm. He obviously changed his mind at some point, which Maggie tells us that. Yeah, right? he had that interview we watched uh, during the Maggie episode where he was talking about, yeah, I just don't need that anymore. Like, yeah. I'm not just looking for what's going to get me the biggest box office. It's it, now what's interesting to me as an actor. Exactly. So he obviously got bored of them. Yeah. Yep. So he doesn't make those, uh, but they, they're still kind of around, but like not the, the granted, I definitely agree with Joe where he's saying like the superhero movies are like that, but like there, there are movies like that. It's like the Hitman's Bodyguard, like the stuff like that. But like, do these movies just cost too much to where they are not worth it for the studio? I don't know. Like, like, sorry, that's just a little rant. <laughs> Maybe. I also think that, I don't know. He was an action star first who learned how to do comedy. And I think a lot of these other movies are headlined by comedians, like the, what you're talking about, like Hitman's Bodyguard, or uh, superhero movies. A lot of times, like Chris Pratt is not yeah. an action guy, or at least he wasn't until they made him get in shape for uh, <laughs> yeah. fucking Guardians. Same with Paul Rudd. Same with Robert Downey Jr. Was never like he was in some action movies, but he's not like yeah. the guy who is beating up everybody up. Um, all those people aren't really action stars. They were first decent actors and comedians who became action stars. True. Um, I don't know. He leads off with the action who, and he learned how to be funny. And he's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how many times we can say it in this podcast. He's just got charisma that a lot of actors don't like. There, there's just a certain quality about him that makes him good at these kinds of movies. It's true. I do want to kiss him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the rock kind of yes. took over for him, rock but, is, uh, yep. I don't think The Rock is as funny as Arnold. No. The Rock knows he's funny. <laughs> he's a little too that, that aware. Sounds like, of... That sounds like something The Rock would say. The Rock knows he's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you were great in that. The Rock knows he was great in that movie. <laughs> Killed by the millions. Millions. Of people who watched it. Millions. Uh, people's comedian. <laughs> the, pe- <laughs> the people's jokester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the, the rock i think is a little too aware of the fact that he's funny um it I, I think it took a little bit of time for arnold to realize he was funny yeah and then he just kind of like abandoned like it was like yeah but then he didn't want to be funny at a certain point i i think which again we'll get to but like i, I think it was last action hero that did that which maybe yeah like which sucks yeah because that movie it, i i love but yeah, yeah i love that movie <laughs> great movie misunderstood yeah. yep yeah but uh okay so any other thoughts on the we got the the uh the pumps going but yeah. any other thoughts before we move on to the ranking nope cool. i don't think so all right and then last but not least let's throw this movie up on the rank list which we needed something official name for uh let's see so uh, i'm gonna have a little bit of trouble with this for this episode by the time we get to the next episode i will have seen every single movie on the list but at the moment i'm still Got a few blind spots or like, yeah, parts of blind spots. Um, so if it were me, this movie would probably be number one. Um, I like it more than Commando. I get why Commando's at number one. It's right up there as far as uh, Arnold movies go. But this one just works on me a little bit better. I think I enjoy the satire element of it. I enjoy the sci-fi stuff in it. And yeah, that's um genesis would definitely be different on this list uh for me but maybe that'll change after i've actually watched genesis again but yeah i I would put this in number one so so i would also play places above commando like they're they're super similar but super different at the same time because 
Like, which is weird because they obviously have the same actor and director or uh, writer, but you mm-hmm. know, I like how both this and Commando give you the uh, sense that he's in trouble, but like you never get the sense that he's in a, any actual like real danger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think I prefer this one more because of the humor. They saw what worked and what people liked in Commando, and then they just pumped it up to eleven. Mm-hmm. I also think he's a slightly better actor here than he was in Commando. Yeah, I, I can I mean, uh, just like a little bit, not like way better, but yeah, I, I it's, <laughs> it's a different character too. But yeah, true. But uh, I think overall the story for this one is a little better. Just like, uh, granted, I know it's like Stephen King. Yeah, but still, yeah, so. <laughs> um, it's a little more grounded, which is what I'm really looking for in a Schwarzenegger movie. Anyway, so you <laughs> totally. know, whenever I think Schwarzenegger, I'm like, oh, you're yep. gonna get like a I want a Ruffalo picture Real. in that. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah, I'd have to um, disagree with both of you. <laughs> but I would put this slightly below Commando. Um, but I also don't have a problem with putting it number one. And I'm outvoted anyway, so not like it matters. But I wouldn't fight you that much on it. Uh, I think they're both pretty similar. I just like Commando a little more. Just I don't know why. And you would think um, I would like this one more because it's sci-fi mm-hmm. which is my favorite genre um <laughs> rest in peace Alex Trebek uh and it was written by my favorite author and starring mm-hmm. Arnold but I don't know there's just something about Commando that I love is it's it, just one of those movies is it like a nostalgia thing or is it I, I I don't know um it's like why I can't say I like time travel movies I don't know I just do you know uh mm-hmm. So, yeah. but whatever. I mean, okay. Yeah, but this one at the top, I'm not gonna, not gonna argue. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. Well, that that's that. <laughs> hey, lighthead. Hey, Christmas tree. All right. So here we are. Uh, a, a little bit later because you know we we couldn't really decide where we were gonna put everything, but uh, we ended up ranking. That's what she said. <laughs> <sighs> what What is there to Never mind. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, for right now, uh, Running Man is ranked number one because, you know, we outnumber Joe two to one. But <laughs> yeah. if you want to see where the final objective rankings end up after we tally all the, the scores from when I watch all the movies and everything, uh, you can go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the potty Richter uh, to hear a special bonus episode where we kind of take me through all the movies that have been done previously. And uh, give our final final judgments, any changes in score from Aaron and Joe. And then, like I said, the objective rankings on our special ranking uh, machine, supercomputer thing. You can also sub- just subscribe as far... If you're listening on Apple, also just uh, subscribe to the bonus episodes, which there is a two-month free trial to that. And if, besides that, it's only two bucks a month. So, you know, it's worth it. Yeah. What are you going to do with that $2? Like, just throw it away yeah man stop throwing away two dollar bills and subscribe to our patreon (laughs) exactly you're like oh thomas jefferson that guy's a fucking boner like let me just chuck this in the Mm -hmm. trash like why do that just give it to us yeah we'll we'll take those boners (laughs) yeah exactly um but what what is our uh super computer special thing called again oh uh well we have a it's actually aaron found some ancient alien technology 
and he sort of integrated it into his Mac, I think, and yeah. uh, decided to program it to rank all Arnold's movies uh, objectively, super objectively. And as a result, I think uh, I think we called it the Spreader. Yes. <laughs> so it's a lot like the movie Independence Day. Yeah, exactly like the movie Independence Day. But with the deleted scenes. So <laughs> of those of you that don't know, like uh, somehow Jeff Goldblum manages to hack into the spaceship with his Mac computer. Uh, but there was a deleted scene where, um, like, I don't know, Steve Jobs or Wozniak or, well, not Jobs, he was a fucking programmer, <laughs> like Wozniak or somebody, uh, they were able to build, like, the Mac OS, because, like, technology they got from the spaceship, so that's why Goldblum was able to hack back into their spaceship. <laughs> uh, I'm, but they cut that out, because so everyone's just fucking... Right <laughs> Okay, don't so you've seen Independence it. Day, you're right? You're the one who programmed the supercomputer. I don't know I why know. you're so fucking and, confused. Then, like, I was trying to think of how I, I came to that and why it's so objective. And I was trying to be like, well, you, you can't reason with it. Yeah, it's a perfect it, killing machine. Exactly. But you reprogrammed it to be a perfect Arnold movie ranking machine. Yeah, it's like Terminator 2. <laughs> exactly. Four different movies. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it's mm-hmm. called The Spreader. So, I mean... You know, that's, that's fun. brilliant. I wish I could do the yeah. noise. Yeah, I can't. I can't even. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like going to spit. <laughs> is that how it Yeah, there is? you go. Is that it? Yep. Predators okay. are just cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Not much else to do. Anybody got anything to plug? Uh the only thing I would like to plug is the other podcast, like a sister podcast, I guess, that gets posted even less than this one, which is called um, <laughs> You All Every Potty. <laughs> see You All Every Potty at the Richter. I was going to be like, see you at the island, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> it's called You All Every Potty. It's a lost podcast where we, uh, me, Erica, who's been on this podcast, and then our other co-host, Vanessa, goes through each episode of Lost. Both Joe and Chris have been on it. I think the episode that we're trying to uh, that I'm trying to edit right now has actually Joe featured on it, so which is make why it's taking so long to edit. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, give that a listen uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, and you know what? Just you're probably on your phone right now. Just go to your podcast catcher, subscribe to it, download a couple episodes. Like obviously, listen to them because it's it's a fucking great show. But also, just like. If you don't plan on it, you never watch Lost, you don't give a shit, you think we suck or whatever, still just go and do it. Take eight seconds of your life and really uh, help us out. So Yeah. Um, uh, apparently, yeah, most get of our listeners don't watch the show, so or have never seen the show, which is <laughs> weird, but... Mm. Yeah. That is well, weird, but... I mean, yeah, so I've watched a show, I listen to the podcast, but other people haven't watched it and they listen to the podcast. So even if you watch it or you haven't, still fucking subscribe to it and listen to it because it's obviously great. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Anything? Uh, not really. I mean, you can listen to me and Aaron uh, complain about Zack Snyder's Justice League, which came out in like the spring of this year. But uh, we made like a four part miniseries where we just complain about that for twice the length of the movie. So mm-hmm. uh, that's fun. Yeah. You can listen to that. It's called Justice Fatigue. Uh, you can call. You can find us at Fatigue Pod on Twitter or Instagram or I don't know. Just just look it up. It's fine. And while we're at it, also um, spend another eight seconds and just go go rate us. Just fucking go rate us. Just yeah. be like, click five stars. Boom, done. 
leave a comment if you want. We might read that on the podcast. Um, but if not, just fucking give us a rating, dude. It's like eight seconds of your life, and it means a lot to us. It for, means for this show. a lot to me. Probably too much. Yeah. You know, they have those commercials where they're like, oh, like, what could a nickel do for some like, kid in Africa? It's like the same shit. Like, it's like a nickel of your time. Just fucking click a button and be done with it. Be like, I did my good deed for the day. Now let me go burn down this orphanage to balance it out. Mm-hmm. And you should balance it out, by the way. Don't. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just do this and. Yeah, like, no, rate. Do, not, do then, anything bad. Then burn something. Oh, I was thinking. It's important. I, I was thinking you were talking the other way. Like, if you rate this, then you have to go balance it out by doing something bad. But, okay, that also works. Yeah. How how bad are we talking? Like, how many ratings do you have to put? So, like, okay, never mind. I Let's think just... it depends how well you rate us. If you're going to rate us three stars, fuck yourself. You get to, I don't know, kick something. But, like, what yeah. if you rate us five stars? I don't know, man. And leave a review? And Oh, yeah. If you're going to write, like, a paragraph in the review thing, then you get to burn down whatever you want. Yeah, you can burn that orphanage with the orphans in there. Mm-hmm. Who's That'll burning down an out. orphanage without any orphans in it? What's the point? <laughs> Some people just like fire. I don't know. That's true. But then they feel bad about like if they actually hurt anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't see the point, <laughs> but I don't know. Well, you need well, to rate. Some... You need to rate the podcast more, and then maybe you'll feel yeah. inclined to. Clearly, some of us are fucking arsonists and some of us are psychopaths. So, So, okay, so let's say you want to burn down, like you do a rating and then you want to burn down an orphanage, but then you're like, oh shit, I need to burn down another orphanage now because I got the itch. So like, Mm -hmm. you can just keep, you can't, you can't, I don't think you can rate it again because this only really applies to Apple Music, right? But we just mentioned three podcasts. That's true. So you're covered for at least three orphanages right here. And and then after that, multi-account, bro. Just yeah, fucking sign one. up for another Apple account. Either just fucking do it over and over. Just keep leaving reviews. That counts. Yeah. Yeah. And subscribe to the Patreon. That's at least four or five. Come on. That's Yeah. There's a lot of orphanages out there. You're covered and for at least a few months. Yeah. Most of those things are made out of wood. That's just what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anything else before we sign off? To mention? No, I think that's it. Okay. And on uh, burning down orphanages. <laughs> this podcast does not support nor condone burning down orphanages. Please do please do not do it. Unless you uh rate the podcast. Then do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yes. But don't do that wink. Oh, my, am I not supposed to say wink? Shit. Okay, bye. Well no, it's an audio meeting. You have to. Alright, well that's it, and then we'll see you guys later until the next episode. We'll get the party reached up.